extremely special day. It is the very talented, extremely kind, and hands down just overall great human being, Suge Daniels' birthday. Back in September, I recorded this episode with her right before Exponential Fest. It definitely took me a minute to have the time to edit the audio, as life and priorities are much different these days. But I wanted to release this episode at least by her birthday, and I I did it. Um, But I'm going to have this intro be quick, as this is Suge's birthday. I want everyone who is in the Philly area who has a free evening tonight to go to Kung Fu Necktie where they will have their birthday show um, and they will be headlining with support from the Lunar Year and Best Bear. Doors are at 7 p.m. and show starts at 7.30. Again, it's at Kung Fu Necktie and everyone should go and support and celebrate such a wonderful human who is making such a beautiful impact in the Philly community. Um, they inspired me to maybe get the podcast back and going. It definitely took me longer to edit audio. Um, so who knows? Maybe there will be future episodes. Uh, I definitely enjoyed editing this audio despite how long it took. Um, but happy birthday, Shug, and I am so damn happy we were finally able to record Here's to another year of you, and may it be abundant, and I'm sorry it took so long, and I can't wait to see you play tonight. Bringing back the podcast is kind of surreal. I have Suge Daniels, who is a singer, songwriter, blogger, blogger, podcast maker, now resident of Philly here with me today. Thank you for coming today. This is iconic. This is full circle. I'm so happy and excited to be here. I was talking to my manager last night about how I was going to be on this show and then gave her a quick, like, uh, you know, how much of a fan and what it did for me. Kind of like when I, when I seen you at the art show and she was like, she was just like, dang, you're like really good at this for like full circle stuff. Oh, you know, like, you just like set stuff up or not even set stuff up. The universe kind of just brings things back and you can always feel when it's something like really good. It is you can really feel good. it. You sparked it. I mean, like I said, it was such a beautiful moment. It was unexpected. It was a hot as fuck day. It was hot. Hot <laughs> on pavement. I love Love City Brewing and I love those markets that they put on. But when you are out on that pavement in the sun, trying to sell things, talk to people, just peopling in general, mm-hmm. right? And then you got the heat the humidity you're just trying to like survive survive and have <laughs> yes, a good time yes. and then to see you it was just at a very beautiful moment of the day it was like towards the end and then you talking about the podcast and I had kind of talked about bringing it back and wanting to do this project mm-hmm. again and it was something we had always been back and forth on Facebook mm-hmm. like I feel like you would send me music and I'm like oh my god I love this mm-hmm. like especially at that time like you were sending me hoochie coochie stuff yeah. and I was like I love funk and mm-hmm. I love just that like funk, rock and roll, that kind of mm-hmm. mixture where you don't really know what you're hearing until mm-hmm. after, until you you're feel like, it. you feel it. It's all based in soul. Exactly. It's all based in soul. It touches the soul. And I was mm-hmm. like, every time I remember telling Taylor Kelly, mm-hmm. and I'd just be like, I love this person. I just want it to like link up perfect because you were in Delaware at the time. And every, I think when you start out as a person who starts out in podcasting, you want everyone to be a part of it. And then you realize that you only have so much time and so much space and how are you going to carve out that time and space and for me it was like I want especially with you is like I want it to be genuine I want to sit down I don't want to just like fit it in somewhere like that's not the here we m- are I know now here we are <laughs> this is it it's full this circle is the moment, moment. <laughs> 
And one of the best things about Show Me Your Playlist is like creating that community. Someone can use it as a resource to build upon. Yes, that's exactly what it was for me. It was a resource. There was just so many amazing artists and everybody talking about what they're doing in the scene in the community. And I was like, I think, I think this is where I need to be. Yes. <laughs> and no disrespect to where I was. Mm-hmm. I just kind of at that point when I had first discovered the podcast, I was working in Wilmington mm-hmm. as a courier. So I would move a lot of mail around, like mail for like lawyers and bankers. And then I found this podcast and I would be listening and I was already, you know, I was up there doing music with Hoochie Coochie too. Mm-hmm. So I moved because I wanted to get closer to like city areas. Yeah. Um, I had the taxes for the band one year because, you know, we out here, we're doing our thing. And I realized doing my mileage, I had made way more trips to Wilmington and Philadelphia than I had played shows in, in, you know, Dover. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, that just makes logical sense that I need to move. So then I had just kind of been creeping, creeping, <laughs> you know, creeping, creeping uh, up up north. And I w- originally was going to be Philadelphia, but uh, my partner at the time didn't want to move out of Delaware because their family was there. And I was like, okay, well, you know, you got to compromise. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. But uh, <laughs> Compromise is sometimes uh, not always the easiest. Not always the easiest. And sometimes there's just certain things in your life you can't compromise mm-hmm. on. But going back to just uh, that part of the journey, it was okay because I was, I was doing what I was supposed to be doing what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know, like looking back, I was just getting myself warmed up to be in this humongous, amazing, super diverse and super welcoming community. And your podcast helped me figure out who I needed to talk to and where those pockets of artists were that did what I did and liked what I liked. That makes my heart happy because really it is. It's just like a resource, a resource mm-hmm. hub. I, ju- yeah. I just want to connect people just like how much I want to connect with each person who I get to interview or find out about their music or their projects. Mm-hmm. And I think wanting other people to benefit from that, that's like everything I wanted from the podcast. Yeah. So thank you. Yes. I appreciate it. And so now that we have this time, mm-hmm. I want to know all about the trajectory of music mm-hmm. and your projects and how mm-hmm. Shug Daniels became the singer, the yeah, songwriter, yeah. the blogger, the blogger. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I started singing at a really young age. Mm-hmm. Um, I started singing in church. My mother was a singer. So they had me doing like, you know, the Sunday, Sunday school choir stuff. And I don't remember the first time I ever sang. Mm-hmm. I've always been performing. That was just what I did. But my mom in particular was like, very good. Oh. Like soloist, she would go and sing in whatever church we were visiting. She, they would always get her to sing a song. And uh, I remember d- d- very distinctly this one time we were at Crossroads in Smyrna. And I remember my mom was singing and she was doing her thing. She was killing it. I remember like looking around for the first time and really witnessing what she was doing for people. Like just like the look on their faces and just like the the, the passion behind like what she was doing mm-hmm. and how they were receiving it and how happy they were and the joy that it brought. So my first experience with music is spiritual yeah you know it was always a spiritual thing for me it wasn't until later that it was secular and then now full circle it's spiritual to me again no matter what you're talking about you're connecting to you're i'm connecting to your soul oh yeah you know you're connecting a person to a time to a feeling Mm -hmm. you're healing people yes especially when it comes to spiritual and faith-based especially growing up in the church Mm -hmm. and a lot of rock and roll and a lot of soul and jazz and blues originated from the church it's, it's oh we all of it yeah everything. all of it even uh, even when you go back to gregorian chant i mean mm-hmm. it was that was the first document that they were writing stuff down so they could all sing the same thing yeah so church is a big big part of it but it definitely especially african-american 
church (laughs) has a lot to do with how we all in all around the world listen and create music absolutely yeah you know it's just a beautiful thing like so it's a it's a great place to start (laughs) it's a great place to start and a great place to come back to but uh so i i did that for a long time i was singing in church having a good time when i see my mom singing in this one particular point in my life i was like this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do for people. And it wasn't about getting the glory. It was about being able to create that atmosphere for people Mm -hmm. and make them happy. That's always what it's been about. Um, We also had this thing, and I can tell people about this. When I was a kid, for some reason, every Christmas, my family would make all the grandkids, like you had to sing a song or like do a dance or do something. Like every a talent Christmas. show? Yeah. Oh, I love to. that tradition. I think that's a beautiful yeah. tradition. Yes. Every Christmas we had to do something. So I just would always sing a song because I, I knew how to sing. And it was always Christian songs for sure. Yeah. You know, always gospel songs. I just was never nervous. I'm never nervous. I feel almost more comfortable performing because mm-hmm. it's just like it's a service that yeah. you're doing for people. So my mom got really into like neo soul. And at the time I didn't realize, but it was all stuff from Philadelphia. Oh, like a lot of like okay. Jill Scott, music soul child, like a lot of that, the roots, all that stuff. She got really heavy into that when I was like probably in like elementary and middle school. So then that kind of introduced like the secular music for me. And I was like, ooh, snap. And then my, uh, my younger brother's father, he kind of like came into our lives and he liked rock and roll. So he liked Jimi Hendrix and the Beatles. So then he's introduced. So I'm getting all these different influences now. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, you know, I, I had explained to you earlier, I'm from Smyrna, Delaware, which at the time was pretty rural. Yeah. I had a lot of country music coming from school, pop music. And then when I get to high school, I start to hear bands like Kings of Leon. Kings of Leon was a big deal for me. They're a very underrated band. Who? They're older stuff too. Oh, I type of passion and energy behind mm. it that like once again, just like how anybody around the world can listen to Aretha Franklin and feel like I'm feel like I know what this woman is saying to me. Mm-hmm. That's what they did for me. And they kind of make they gap that bridge between me and and white people. I was yeah. like, this is something I can get down with. <laughs> so I loved them for years and years. And then once I got to, I feel like probably like freshman, I wanted to create music. But I was a little nervous about singing because my mother was such a good singer. Mm-hmm. So I had this like little toy piano and I would like put little like beats on it and I would rap. Oh, I So I started that. rapping when I honestly, probably in middle school, I started rapping, but not, it wasn't until high school where I was like telling my cousins about it. I was mm-hmm. like, you should, you know, make a rap group. You should hear this. Yeah. And, like, and collaborate I, with yes, me. And I remember telling one of my cousins about it. And he was like, I rocked him a song and he's like, you didn't make that. And I was like, yeah, I did. Why do you believe? He was like, you didn't write that. And I realized it was because he thought it was good. Oh, I mean, like, <laughs> so, you didn't actually write yeah, that. Yeah, I was like, dude, I did. So he was like, all right. So our parents were like, okay, they were excited. I think that we were doing something. So they would, they bought him like uh, this game called MTV Beatmaker and it was on Xbox. Oh. And we could, we could arrange beats. So we would make songs like that and then we would record it on a karaoke. We would record one microphone and be on, on like the TV and then we would write our songs. So then we had like all these mixtapes, which unfortunately I don't, I no longer have. It was just like cool. So then we started doing like stuff in school. We always tried to keep it nice and like PG. Yeah. So we could like perform in school. So then I was the rapper. <laughs> I well, you know, it's just like collaborating with those that you feel the most comfortable with. Yeah. And like and my cousin, like- his father, unfortunately, was in and out of jail and my mm-hmm. father had left before I was born. So we had his mom, my mom, and my grandma, they raised us all. So we, we were always together. So it was just like talking to my brother. I was like, hey, you want to do this thing? Like, I got this really creative project. Yeah. yeah. And I want to do this with you. Mm-hmm. Writer. So it was like. Mm-hmm. I still have a lot of my little books. I used to write stories too. But his father was a DJ and he was super pumped. Or back in the day he was. So he was super excited oh. we were making music and rapping. So he started investing 
uh, he would get him like NPC beat machines and stuff like that. And that's what like Swiss Beats and Kanye yeah. West used to use. They used to have like these, you know, these little program mm-hmm. box and they, each one makes a noise. And we would, you know, we were doing that and we were doing churches. And then we got older and we got really good. We got really, really good actually. And then we started traveling. We would get asked to come and play in like New York. We went down to Florida. I got a chance to meet like Missy Elliott, Pete Pablo. That's um, amazing. Yeah, we were called Flow City. The, I the, love that. I started with two gentlemen, um, well, both my cousins, uh, Nino Nose and uh, Shorty Rock, or Young Rocko, he goes by now. Ooh, okay. But And they're both still making music. I did that for a while, and then I got a little older, because I'm, I'm the oldest of us, and I, and I was like, I think I want to do something different. I did it for like 10 years. And then I was living in a super small town. I was in Dover at the time, and I seen on Facebook that these guys were doing these really cool like um, open mics. So one of my buddies, Fats, he was, I'd always known him as a drummer, but I seen he was playing guitar. So I was like, you want to, you want to get drunk and rock and roll? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he came over and we got like all this wine and we were just like, what do you want to make? And he was like, I don't know. I don't really play guitar. And I was like, I don't really sing, but I guess we'll figure something out. And then we wrote, uh, Rocket Ship Blues that night, which is, you can still, you can still listen to that. I love that. It was like our first night. And then that was like, that was the end of that. We were like, okay, we started doing open mics together. And people loved it. We were like crazy for it. And it was just me and him. He would sit on a kick drum. And I had a hi-hat and like a, a snare. And people thought we had a drummer. When they would hear us, they'd be like, you guys have a drummer? I'm like, nah. No, we it's just, just us And too. he would play guitar. And then I was singing. And it, we just did whatever. We just didn't have anything else to do. So we were like, we, we had no parameters. Yeah. You know, we had like super horrible equipment. I love two-piece like bands only for the fact is that creativity takes a whole nother level because you only have you two to work on. You got the of. necessity. You got mm-hmm. just what you need. Like, what are you going to do in these, in these, in these confines? And I think it's a great way to start too. Like, we ended up becoming a bigger band, but we had this super solid sound that everybody was crazy about. So we knew we like, okay, we don't want to take away from what we're doing. We want anyone to come that's, that's going to add. So then my partner at the time, Chelsea, joined us on drums because she had been drumming for a band and I made her get a new <laughs> drum kit. Uh, and then the guy was like, I want to, you know, he ended up like getting married and having a baby. So I was like, well, just join my band. And she was like, okay. <laughs> the um, power of dating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, there was a, a gentleman that he had known who also had played in church. His name was Spencer. And he played piano. So then he joined us. So then I was like, oh, sh-, you know, can I close on here? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. We got a band. <laughs> So then we just started playing. We started going to Wilmington and my friend, uh, Grace Von Der Kuhn, who's also on the, on the playlist. I met her along with my buddy, Aaron Silver. I'm wearing her shirt today, Eyeball. Went up to Wilmington and seen they were like doing this like cool, they had this really cool scene where there's like this original music and Southern Delaware can be very isolating and, uh, very like cover band, heavy metal. And it was just like, I, we reached our limit of what mm-hmm. we could do and where we could play very quickly. So then I started coming up to Wilmington and I was like, this is great. And then I didn't, like I said, I did the taxes and I was like, why are we living in Dover? <laughs> You're like, why are we here? We should be where the thing is. So then we moved up to Wilmington. And then of course, just out of proximity, I started coming to Philadelphia more. And, uh, I was hanging out a lot with like Eric Kramer and Melina and they were just like, you should just move to Philadelphia. Oh, and they're great creatives to be. Yes. They're encouraging creatives. Very much so. And they will create any space that you mm-hmm. might need mm-hmm. to get you to where you need to be. There are other people who are just great at building community yeah. and creating those spaces. And the community is absolutely where it's at. If you don't have a community that you're a part of and helping to build, it's, I mean, you're just, you're basically shouting into the void. You need to have it echoed back to you. Mm-hmm. You need to have it echoed back to you. So before the pandemic, or, yeah, before the pandemic, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. I felt like I'd plateaued with the band. 
We'd had some people come and some people go, and I like just didn't really know what to do anymore. Um, and it was such a, it was beginning to be such a big project. We added some horns. Hoochie Coochie ended up becoming like a bigger like six piece band. Yeah. yeah, we usually always had an extra guitar player, <laughs> and then we'd have like you know at, at least one horn player, and, and it was so fun. The music was crazy, but I was exhausted because I was doing the social media, I was managing us, I was booking shows. Uh, I was writing the songs, coordinating practice, and I didn't realize how much that was until later, but I just was like, oh, I wonder why I don't want to do this right now. <laughs> yeah, you're like, why do I not want to create yeah. when I'm do when all I do is work for this? Yes. Why don't I actually want to create? Yes, yes. I started a cover band with a, with a buddy who's my now manager. It was so fun to just, like, let her take the reins and just, like, get drunk and play some songs for people, and, like, it was good money. I was like, this is sick, and, like, I love singing. Cover, I'm from Southern Delaware, so being yeah. in cover band, it's like, that's what, that's, honestly, that's kind of the more, if you're going to be a musician, that's what you're going to do. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I'll sing some acoustic duo stuff, I don't care, for some extra cash, yeah. And she just, like, was so encouraging from day one. So I start, after the, you know, during the pandemic, mm-hmm. everything shuts down, I can't get with my band, I have to take a break, and I had, there's like a ukulele that's in my house, it was Aaron's. she was in one room and we were in the other, and then for some reason we were like, let's switch rooms. And I was like, you left your ukulele, and she was like, you can have it, I literally never play it. So then I wrote the Franklin Street, I started the Franklin Street EP there. Yeah. Was that, was the Franklin Street EP, so that was like kind of, I'm gonna do this solo project and it's gonna be me. Like, now I'm gonna <sighs> take that step forward now as... I think, not even to begin with. To oh, begin okay. with, it was really just, I had some feelings. I had mm-hmm. was going through, like, a really big friend breakup. I was going through the breakup of me and my partner, who, mm-hmm. you know, me and Chelsea were breaking up at this time, like, realizing that love can be in many different ways and forms. And just mm-hmm. because you love each other doesn't mean you have to make each other miserable, which yeah. is a big, a very important and very, like, mature thing to know and to still be able to say I love you at the end of the day, like kudos to me and Chelsea, like yeah. we're out here doing it. But that was still very scary. It was very very scary after being together for you know ten years and being like, okay, maybe this isn't working in the way that we thought. So I had, of course, all these feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm a Scorpio. I'm a, I'm a you're musician. feeling everything. I'm you need to it. let it go. I'm feeling it. So really, just was out of necessity. I I, I started to create this music. I had to do it. Um, and then after the breakup, I moved in with a buddy um, who let me stay stay with her. Who was Lauren, my manager. Oh, hell yeah. So I was with her on Franklin Street, and then I finished a bunch of songs, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with these. You know, I didn't really, I was doing some virtual open mics because they were just, I just had the ability to do them. The way we got creative, the way everyone, I mean, not even we, I would have to say the way everyone else got creative to like pivot Mm -hmm. was just a beautiful. Yeah. It was really like life-changing, thought-provoking. And I had the ability to record. So then that, this is when I start to get nervous. This is when I start to feel like maybe people will be mad with me or upset with me. But it wasn't until I started to record it uh, that I started to feel like that. I'm like, am I going to put this out? Am I going to hurt people's feelings? And, you know, what are they going to think? Is this even good enough? I've, I've never done anything by myself. And Lauren was like, do it. <laughs> put it out. It's great. Why yeah. shouldn't you? Like, you're a musician. You're an artist. Like, put, And this is even still before she was my manager. Just a great friend, a great buddy. So then I put out the first song. I put out Heavy. And then I get hit up by Weird Sister Records. Mm-hmm. They were, um, I knew Deanna from working at uh, Egg Hunt Records. Okay. We worked with Grace Vonderkun. Awesome. So I knew her from there because she had hit me up to do some shows and some showcases and stuff like that. Um, and she was like, yeah, I'm putting together a record label with a buddy and we would love to re-release this song. And if you have any, anything else. Mm-hmm. So, and I had never, for as long as I've done Hoochie Coochie, I, we had never gotten hit up by a label or, or any, had anyone ask to manage us or anything. So I was like... Oh, hot dog. Oh, like, and all my first, yes, my yeah. first solo anything. So I'm looking at the universe 
And like, what are you trying to say to me? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, this was too easy. This was very simple. This is literally my first time putting anything out. I played all the instruments on it. I played the bass and the, and pl- like the piano and like the whatever keys were in it. Like yeah. I did everything. I did recording. I never did any of that stuff. And I put out a song and I get picked up by a label. So I was like, whew, okay, well, all right. I hear you loud and clear. Like I can, do- like sometimes <laughs> it does. It's like what the universe gives you an opportunity mm-hmm. to take a chance on yourself. Yep. Right. Some of us are very lucky to recognize to yes. take a chance on ourselves. Yes. Right. Yes. Process is still going to be worth it no matter what the outcome is. Yes. And the more you try things and do things, the more you realize that there's really honestly no such thing as failure. The only way you can really quote unquote fail is if you didn't learn anything from your experience. But you always learn stuff. And I just feel like by nature, humans, the way we learn best, unfortunately, is by mistakes. Oh, a hundred percent. You can have someone tell you a million times that something is a bad idea or someone is a bad person or, or anything, but it's until you experience it that it sets it in you. Yeah. And then you really have that knowledge. So I was like, I'm either going to, it's either going to work or not work, but I'm going to learn something along the mm-hmm. way. I've already learned so much about the process of recording now, you know, yeah. like already I feel like I'm stepping away from this. If I said no, I, or I still learn something, but why say no when you say yes? <laughs> There's the devilish wanna, smile. Yeah, <laughs> people want to help me? Okay. And uh, so, yeah, we I started doing that and, and you know, the, I did get some, some pushback and some people weren't happy for me, truly. And I realized that this was also kind of, the you know whatever you want i like to i like to say the universe mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so a part of like feeling like everything is a part of everything but i just felt like it was more of the universe being like these are people over here that support you even though it has nothing to do with them that is love yeah that is true support these people who are upset that you're doing something without them because it doesn't benefit them this is a gift that i'm showing you this and i was just mm-hmm. like thank you universe it really is thank you universe you yeah really did. and it hurt because it was people i really thought we're, we're like there, right? They, because they would tell me, I'm here yeah. for you. I'm riding with you. We're going to do this. And the moment I do something for myself, and it wasn't out of spite, it just was something that was in me. I wanted yeah. to do it. Um, you know, they turned their back on me, and I was like, wow. But with the cultivating of friendships, is those people who didn't want to support you, it's one of the hardest lessons to learn. It's about them and not about you. Yep. Yep. Amen. It's such a hard <laughs> thing. Yeah. Being in a band is ju- almost identical to being in a like a romantic relationship. And yeah. the sex is the performance. And you can always tell when something's <laughs> wrong. When the performance starts being bad, <laughs> there's something wrong oh. with the relationship. But it's, um, it's everything oh. that I've learned from relationships, I also have been able to apply from bands. And I've went back and forth. That's amazing. Truly. That is a beautiful analogy. Yeah. Reframing the way we think about other people's successes. Yes. Personally, is like, this person is going to succeed and hopefully by me supporting them succeeding, if there's an opportunity that I fit into, that person is going to want to see me succeed exactly. and support me. Exactly. And that, yes. So then that also makes you think about the group and the people that you're in. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't remember who, who said the quote, but it's show me their friends and I'll show you their future. And I really, truly believe that. Mm-hmm. Anytime I've had that seven year or whatever it is and I've switched some friends up and not even always necessarily intentionally just sometimes people are kind of on a level or a vibration they're like I'm trying to get there I need to hang out with this person yeah because they're intelligent they take good care of themselves they're like moving in the industry in a way I want to move so let me you know hang out with them and get whatever knowledge they have and dang nabbit every time if you don't if you don't start leveling up yeah you know if if you're hanging around with the same people in the same town talking about the same things there's no wonder I I plateaued I was doing the same thing all the time with the same people and you're not getting that like bouncing off ideas people being like oh my god where do we want to take this this is a beautiful quote because it really is you see your future with 
your with friends. The people, yeah. the, the people that you surround yourself with. And it really didn't even leave me um, resentful. I feel like I have always been very like curious about myself and who I am, how I stand in the world and what the kind of legacy I want to leave behind. And, it, and for me, it's always come back to love. And I don't think that's not everybody's everybody's goal Mm -hmm. not everybody wants to love and to be loved some people want to conquer some people want power Mm -hmm. and those things tend to eat people up and you can see it and for me if anything i feel bad for them that's such a singular solitary and uh lonely way to go about life you know when you make it about the whole when you make it about love when you make it about community when you make it about not your success but your friend's success and whatever they do and whatever the role they want to take on in the world that's when everything moves, everything flows, everything, it comes back to you. Oh, a hundred percent. When you allow that energy to move, it, it comes back to you, and it comes back to you tenfold. It really does mm-hmm. survive as humans, especially now with community care and equity. Everyone is going to need a little bit more some days and a little bit less others. Mm-hmm. And recognizing that and understanding it's not about how much someone else has, but it's about meeting that person with their needs and then meeting you back yeah. and like comes this level of compassion that it just flows naturally and it's easier i feel like when you're when you're trying to be controlled you have to hold everything so tight but when you think about everything in a community you can kind of like take a step back you can like readjust your eyes and that's when you really see oh we're all moving we're all doing the same thing and if i help i will be helped and not because that's what i want i'm like everybody do this for me it's because it's just natural yeah everything just moves naturally when you release that grip and just let the <laughs> universe do what it's gonna do it really is. Be kind to the people around you and it will come back. Whether you want it to or not, that kindness will come back. And you finding those people and making it clear them. from, I'm here to support you yeah. and here's the opportunity to support me. And when that opportunity is not met, that's fine. Keep doing you. It'll and I happen when it's going to yeah, happen. It is exactly. going to happen when it's going to happen. Just like us sitting at this, this table. This it's going right to happen when it needs to exactly. happen at that point. Yeah. At that point in time is like... I do, I do think there's something to be said about coming back to something, right? Mm-hmm. So we all think time kind of moves in a super linear direction. But I don't think that at all. In fact, almost all of my best ideas, all the things that I really love, they come back in circles. Yeah. Like, right, it almost moves with the season for me, too. Right? Ooh, okay. So, like, it's about to be fall. I'm excited. Fall is, a, is, for me, my time of reflection, right? So I'm always just like, wow, that was a wild ass year uh what did i like what did i not like mm-hmm. and it took me a while to get to that point to kind of see how how i operate and what works best for me my ex-partner chelsea actually was the one who was like this is how you operate dude and i was like oh snap you're right winter comes and i i start planning i'm like what whatever i want like what do i want to do what i want to get done this year because it's the beginning of the year it's january february one two yeah so like what do i what, what are my plans springtime comes i start putting those plans into action summertime comes i'm just like out here killing it doing it so i i <laughs> stop trying yourself. to fight it. yeah i'm just like let everything come back like how how do i how do i kind of come back to it you know and winter and you learn. time, yeah, it's yeah. perfect for planning mm-hmm. because it's like we're in our houses anyway. Yep. Cycle that you're talking about is just like with plants. You have to cut back the dead. Yep. You have to die down yep. to grow back fuller the next. Yes, whenever I, I, I whenever I have my cards pulled and I and I get death, I get excited. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, it's time for something new. It's about to be a big new. But it's time <laughs> for something new, and I love change. I mm-hmm. feel like I thrive when things get really stale and they're always the same. Always, I'm like, oh, that's when I get destructive. So. I like change. That's the Scorpio again. Yeah. <laughs> you just like verbatim. It's like, when things get too dull. When things get dull, I get destructive. I get destructive. I get destructive. So I just pay attention. I know that this is my flow. I respect it. I honor mm-hmm. it. 
And like when things, when it's not a time for something, I'm getting better and better and being like, I need to come back to this later because mm. right now this is the thing that I'm focusing on. This is the thing that is keeping me a part of my community. This is the thing that's um, paying my bills. <laughs> this is, you know, these yeah. are the people that, that are making me feel good right now, that are supporting me in the way that I need to be supported and that I feel just naturally drawn to support. So let's honor that. It, you can feel it. I feel like we know... Oh, a hundred percent. What we need to do. Exactly. We get all caught up in our head brain, but our heart brain, our gut brain is telling us something different and we can feel it intrinsically. And I'm just like, the older I get, the more I'm like, I just need to honor that and stop pretending like stop being up here in my head all the time. Yeah. Not everything needs to be figured out. Some things are just the universe is like, here it is. And again, going back to everything's made up. Yeah. (laughs) You get to just wake up in the day and be like... This is how I want the day to go. The pandemic did that for me, too. I was like, this is all made up. We're all just really out here trying to, like, killing ourselves, making money to buy stuff so we can live in a house that we can barely afford most of the time just to go to work to a Wait a minute. What are we doing? I feel like if anything good came from this, you're so much more than our labor. So much more. Say it again for the people in the bay. Yep. We are so much more than our labor. <laughs> you gotta do, you, it really made me be like, I, if I'm gonna, I'm gonna die. It's coming for us all. Mm-hmm. I wanna die doing stuff I love to do. I, I wanna spend majority of my time feeling like I'm making connections and doing what I love. I'll have, I'll have a little part-time job. I'm never gonna make a million dollars. That would be cool, but it's the probability of it. So at least let me be a part of a legacy and do something good for the people around me. Yeah. You know, let me sing my songs with the pandemic is like with the labor and the friendships and all of those things is like, what is important to us? What do I want? What do I want in my friendships and my life and my career? If I'm going to be, if I'm going to have to work because we live in America and it's capitalism (laughs) side, we got to work. What, what am I willing to sacrifice in order to be able to survive in this environment? It really is. Mm -hmm. And it was like, all right, I got to have to hustle because I love writing. I love anything creative. I usually can have a pretty good time doing it. Um, but really finessing and pivoting like we were talking about earlier. That time is so much more precious to me. And I don't know if it's because it's getting older, but I definitely felt like during the pandemic, I was like, I had time to just slow down in life. Like I was like making bread. We was all making was, bread. Everyone was making bread. It, but it took time. And it was meditative, I feel like, for all of us. We were all just like, wow, this is how bread is made. Something that since we were kids, we've been eating, oh, but yeah. we never thought about it, the process of it. What it really takes, I feel like it really opened a lot of our eyes to like, when I have the time to do things, they're so much more enjoyable versus having to hurry up. I got to hurry up. I got to do this. I got to clean my house. I got to get this, you know, like we're moving around so fast. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I never want to move that quickly again. I think everything can be meditative. If I'm not oh, yeah. doing a million things and having to be somewhere and go to a freaking job five, six days a week for eight hours. Yeah. And then travel to it. Yeah. And take up the travel time and then be subjected to whatever that travel is. Like taking the train, taking the bus, driving. All of those are external stressors. I really do think it's like a beautiful thing. I also like make things from scratch and take that time. And it is so much more meditation wise of like slowing down. Me Mm -hmm. making bread. Me making lemon curd. Mm -hmm. I can't even tell you. I have candied (laughs) jalapenos in there. I have pine cone syrup up in there oh, i have a pickled watermelon it's rum. fun it is just it's doing just things i'm like oh my god this is what this is what it is it is we should just be doing stuff that just makes us feel good and it's like and your friends come over and you're like i made this i made this weird stuff. syrup this weird it's, syrup try it no, try okay. it and it just yeah. makes you feel good you're like, it's look like at it's all this glue it's the stuff yeah. that <laughs> makes everything special you know it is romanticizing our lives it's it making is everything sweet and special and 
not rushing and slowing down. Romanticizing our lives is such a beautiful thing. Being the main character. Yeah. I think young 12-year-old Katie would be looking at me now being like, you fucking rule. Me, I think about that all the time. I'm like, yo, little Danielle would have been like, oh, Snap. Right? This is unreal. You got out of this small town. Yeah. You did something that you really wanted to do. You're living in a cool place. You have cool friends. You get to have yeah. cool experiences. It's wild. And and I re- recently reconnected with my father's side of the family, which was really nice and very eye-opening. And I definitely feel like I'm kind of coming into this, like getting to know myself more. And it's making the whole, the bigger picture even bigger and even more, more important and not important in a way where like, I'm, I'm very important and important in the way that like the stuff that I'm doing, the fact that I'm showing up to these, mm-hmm. these spaces as a black queer woman and in just like telling my story and like, you know, having, changing the narrative, diversifying the space. I, at first I, I was a little nervous and apprehensive, but now I'm like, oh no, 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 you all need this. Mm-hmm. I need this. Everybody needs this. I wish I could have seen someone like me when I was a little girl. I wish I could have just seen one gay woman kill, doing her thing, killing it, like doing the rock and roll. I like ride a scooter around town. I'm like 31. I I'm like, this. I just do what I do. Yeah. <laughs> it is my job to live my best authentic life because of all the queer black women that could not live like me, open mm-hmm. like me before, who were murdered, who were killed, who were like ostracized from their families who did not have the privilege to live openly and, and have a great fucking time and the way I do. Yeah, I think also on that is, like, not only the ones who didn't couldn't live openly, but there's a huge that did live openly and were erased from history. Yes, yes. That is the God. And the history books will say they were just friends. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, if your aunt is bringing over yes. the same best friend roommate for 40 years to right. Thanksgiving... She's gay. Yeah, they're a, they're a, that's they're actually her wife. Yeah, that that's is her, her wife. wife. That is her partner. Yes. A partnership in life. It's yeah. important. That stuff is very, very important. And I feel like the world is only becoming more open to it because people are just like, I'm tired of hiding. I don't want to hide. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to. I remember being younger and I, I was like maybe 17. I was working at McDonald's. And I remember one of the girls asking me if I was gay. And I was like, yeah, I'm gay. And the manager, a grown woman, she was like, that's disgusting. Nowadays, you pull some shit like that? Oh, hell no. You know? I know. You know, because people get tired. They get tired of it. It is Harley, and we pass the neighbors, and they're a queer couple, and one of them comes over. It asked us, which one out of my friends do you think is queer? And I looked at her, I go, at this point, I feel like everyone's queer. Yes. I I just go into spaces assuming everyone's queer until told otherwise. Only because, like, I don't see someone who might be in a hetero-looking relationship as not queer. Right. Right? So, like, I don't look at that anymore until someone tells me, no, I'm straight. And even at that point, I'm not believing you. Right. Everyone has the divine masculine and divine feminine that lies inside of us. Yes. And it is okay that... It's so beautiful when you get into contact with both of them, too. Oh, it is. It's it's life-changing. You unlock levels. Mm -hmm. You unlock levels Mm -hmm. of who you are as a person Mm -hmm. and, like, what how you lead in both those. You can either let the divine masculine take over and... Depending on the situation. Yeah. And what serves me better. Exactly. Exactly. But they belong to everyone and all of us. And I feel like definitely... uh, a lot of like, um, kind of like ancient cultures really understood that. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, colonization. And I was talking to my brother about this too. I was like, dude, a lot of what we believe, <laughs> we only know it because white people wrote it down first, you know, yeah, and they erased everything else that was. So 
I don't really believe anything. <laughs> I go into I'm yeah. Like, I go everywhere thinking everyone's gay and it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. I think that's another like really big uh, like kind of like uh, onion peeling in life is when you realize like how much of our brains have been programmed by by media by like when we're children and we see things on television mm-hmm. and you know there's just as many brown people if not more brown people than white people in, in the world oh, anytime yeah. you turn on the TV or you go out somewhere it's like where are the brown people where are they so we feel like a minority when we're not <laughs> in fact we're not at all it's just it, it's the erasure it's the yes. closing off it's yes. not allowing the yes. visibility to be had to be seen and it you like stop becoming angry about it when you realize it's bigger than just you, right? So I, I think I feel like as a black person for a long time, I took a lot of the world's racism very personally, and I couldn't understand why, like I, me, my people, why, why was I being like subject to this mm-hmm. treatment? And then I realized that it wasn't just black people; it's <laughs> a lot of different people, and even white people have definitely fallen victim to being told. This is the way it's supposed to go. Entries of like brainwashing. Then I it, it lets me look at everyone like, oh, we, we're all a part of this big trick. It <laughs> it's is. A big, we're all having this big foolish thing happen. But if once again we kind of like let go of the control and like take a step back, we see that we're all just people doing the same thing mm-hmm. and running around. We need to be very aware of how the world has treated certain people for sure, so we can be conscious in the way that we're treating them and how we're operating and moving in the world. But Really, we're all just here trying to get loved on. Oh, a hundred percent, and express ourselves and take care of the babies. And then I think that I mean that is like the beautiful way of intersectionality, right? So now that you're in Philly, you made the move last November. You were saying off mic. So what has the last year in Philly been for you as a solo artist? This has been in a really insane year. Um. I feel like I, I wasn't really afraid. I started really kind of stepping into my own power and being like, all right, I'm here now. I'm going to just do the thing. And uh, just kind of like saying yes to life. My buddy mm-hmm. Rob said it. He's like, you just got to say yes to life. That's how he, he would just tell me these stories. He's an old gentleman. Another somebody I got a chance to live with and I recorded the Franklin Street EP at their house. And when I moved, I moved from his house. It was, it was gotcha. a little sad because we had a really yeah, good thing going. Really good. <laughs> we just cook a bunch of food, drink a bunch of wine, and like just tell each other stories. Oh, you know? that's awesome. But he always just said his thing, just like, you know, say yes to life. Like if you have a good opportunity, just go for it. And I found a really nice place with some great roommates. I have two other roommates. Um, they We, we tend to, we're all creatives. Mm-hmm. I live with uh, Carla Laura. She's a photographer, a model. She does a lot of flower arrangement stuff, which is actually really fun to oh. live with somebody like that because we have flowers now. And then, uh, Yorissa Luna, and she does a lot of the artwork. She, like, they both style me. They do, we do photo shoots. Like, such a fun, creative household. So, the opportunities happen to come up. We live right down the street from you. I love that. It was right off abroad. <laughs> I was like, okay, the universe is doing its thing. Let's go ahead and do this. Um, I moved in the day before my birthday. So, I woke up on my birthday and I'm in this new place, and it just didn't take me long. I'd already had the friends up here. I'd already mm-hmm. knew the community. So, it just was about, okay, now I'm here. Where, where's everybody doing? Yeah. And then just going to visit. And then I started getting gigs. I did some stuff with Rec Philly. And they hooked me up with some people that organized for the city. So then I started doing like some in the park gigs, which are always really well paid and really fun because it's like no pressure. You're not like trying to sell tickets at the door. You're just showing up for the people in the community like, yeah. yo, I'm going to sing some songs. What's up? <laughs> um, love those gigs. That's my, one of my favorite things about summer is uh, the out- outdoor gigs. But um, yeah, and then just kind of like being able to meet up with other creatives, you know, like just like this. Down the street. Yeah. It was nothing to do this because it w- I didn't have to take a big chunk of my day and, oh, I got to get to Philadelphia. I got to get on the train. I could just, I'm just here. I'm just in the city. So 
Yeah, it's been really fun. It's have easy access to gigs and stuff like that. And to now that, that it's a solo project, mm. I can hire musicians instead of like having a set band. There's nothing wrong with that. I think they both have their pros and cons. Yeah. But for me, being able to play with different people, it literally feels like playing. I feel like a kid again. Like I'm like, oh, I'm playing with, uh, you know, uh, Eric tonight, or I'm playing with Sam Nobles tonight, or I'm playing with Anthony Gata. I'm so excited because every time I play with these different people, the music is different. Yeah. And it's been so exciting and so eye opening and. I don't know. I'm just, I'm having so much fun. I have some songs coming out. I just got my basement finally finished up as far as like a nice practice and like studio space oh, for myself. That's awesome. So yeah, yeah. I'm finally making the switch to Apple. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> shout out to my Android users, but it's just at Apple just makes it easy for creators. So I'm excited to they get do. into this next chapter of like, all right, what, what am I going to do now? You know, for the, um, so when you first moved, you had already kind of laid down the foundational work for creating your solo project. Yes. I, the EP was already out. I, had, I was already gigging a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so then you come here, you move, and you moved during 2021. So you've mm-hmm. already, like, you got a little bit of when the world was kind of opening up slash shutting down again. Yes. Because of... Because it was the holiday variant. season. Yeah. Yep. And it was a holiday season. Everybody, yes. So... In this past year, you get to experience spring in Philly. Yeah. What has been some of your favorite? You had done a music fest your first year. You helped yes. facilitate a festival. Yes. Sweet Juice Fest. That was amazing. Um, I had done a show right at the Dolphin mm-hmm. uh, for Cherry Veenzine. And I had, um, it was it was me, Emo Spacebird, and Just Mad Nice on a Bill, which was so cool so for me. So cool. Because it was very, like, POC and queer. And I was like, yes, They're honey, this is why amazing. I moved to the city. This is why yes. I moved here. And, but Lunar Year, uh, Popcorn Daddy and uh, Reese Florence were all playing at the pharmacy, which is right around the mm-hmm. corner. It was, like, close enough where we could, like, it was, like, dang, that's close, but, like, not close enough where we could kind of, like, jump back and forth between yeah. sets. So, we, you know, we were like, dang, this sucks. So Katie from Lunar Year and I think uh, Alex from, from Just Mad Nice were just hanging out one day and they were like, wouldn't that be cool if we all were on a bill, though? <laughs> and then I think, you know, the kind of like, it, it, with it, I wasn't a part of it until, I didn't even know the name. Katie just hit me up one day and was like, would you be interested in being a part of a festival? Lunar, all, they were on my playlist. They are. They are on my playlist. I'm so excited. I've been watching them for a long time. And they don't have a lot of the music that they perform right now. Because they had a shift in sound. This yes. song, like, yes. that shift in sound, I really like where it's going. I am it's obsessed amazing. with yeah. Katie is so smart and so creative and just, like, so brave in the way they create and so good at it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like they're, because sometimes, you know, you got some friends that are doing some wild stuff and it's like, all right, man, I mean, like, as long as you're having a good time, but, like, everything Katie does is so tasteful. But anyway, yeah, I could really just, like, gush about Katie all the time. But they hit me up, asked me, like, do I want to play? It just happened to be, like, the one and only weekend of July that I was available. And it was, like, a Sunday. And I was like, all right, I hope I know you don't got, I can't give you a rain Serendipitous, yes. yes. And every, we were all free. So they mm-hmm. all, we all ended up on the lineup. I didn't even realize that that's what they were doing. They kind of just, I just trust, you know, just certain friends. Mm-hmm. When they say, do a thing, you're like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. Just, you're a part of I it. Trust I trust that you're going to follow through yeah. and that this isn't. It's going to be great. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I, you know, they, they put the lineup out and the show flyer and I was like, oh, this is cool. I didn't realize what this was. So then we're all in a group chat. So, and this all happened so quick. It really, like, we really put this festival together kind of quickly. It was like, we're in the group chat and then we're like, maybe we could ask vendors. And then Just Mad Nice was like, oh, I know some friends. So they got all the vendors. And I was like, okay, maybe we can get some organizations. Mm-hmm. So we were like, it wasn't just about, oh, let's do, just do anything. It was like, let's bring the community in. Intentional. We, yes. Everything was intentional. Yes. And then we had read some stuff from like, Tranquility House. And mm-hmm. they're like a, 
a safe house for people who are um, transgender and non-binary and like sex workers. And mm-hmm. I, I love that. I'm like, that is a thing that we yeah. should be doing. These people like need help. We should be helping them. And it's all community based. It's all right around the corner from us. Mm-hmm. So we were like, okay, we got some, you know, some things to talk about. Like, it's not just about music anymore. And then the radio station, for, I had released a song and John Vitis was like, don't, aren't you doing a festival? And he threw it in there with the write up. And we were like, oh shit, we're getting press. That's awesome. So then I was like, let's start a, you know, let's start a, like a, a, an Instagram and a, um, a Twitter just so we can document it. And so we just, and I had done social media management. So it just so was perfect. Everybody had a role in doing it and putting it together. And then, you know, Cherry Bean did it, did an interview with us. That's really when we caught fire because we were all there and talking about it. Mm-hmm. And then just to all be in the space because it had all been like on our phone. But yeah, anything is possible in this city. Oh, it really is. Because there's so many pockets and there's so many people and there's so many little communities that want to do the thing that you want to do and they want mm-hmm. to help you. you exactly. Know? We thought we would, we were hoping that we would break even and we actually made money at the festival. That's we amazing. Like, we sold out of pre-sale tickets. We were like, yo, this is a festival. We did it. You did it. You threw it together. Sometimes it's that fake it till you make it. A lot of the episodes that I did on the first run of Show Me Your Playlist was about like, that imposter syndrome and faking it till you make it because you got like yeah. it's better than the alternative of not doing it yes and yes. at least not finding out if this is something that you like or that you enjoy right it's better than not even trying at all i'll let you know on a secret i only play the ukulele i just started playing the ukulele during the pandemic and i've made like an entire career out of it that's amazing yeah, though and i was like i and never played like, i just was like <laughs> i guess this is the thing that people do yeah and I, if I wouldn't have just brave enough to just be like, I'm on as well. I don't have anything else to do. And I, like I said, I'm Scorpio. When I'm when I'm bored, <laughs> I get destructive. So I was like, I have these feelings. I get them out. But yeah, you just got to do it. Just try it. Because mm-hmm. if you, you fail, you know, if you fail enough, you'll get good at it. Yeah. And if you fail, you're going to learn what you are good at yeah. through those failures yep. and recognize yep. to not take on that project again or to... Yes. To overexert what yourself. you need help yeah. in what areas. Because mm-hmm. we definitely had a, after the festival, coming together and being like, okay, definitely going to do this again. So you heard it here first, y'all. Yes. We're definitely bringing it back. Uh, and like discussed what we liked, what we didn't like, things that we would do differently. And really laying down a great foundation for it. You know, for next year, we have, we know how much we can make from, you know, just doing this. It was just so fun. This city is amazing. And it's just having access to everyone. Yeah. You know, not being so far away. It's like. Oh, Delaware is just down the street. It is, but the but the energy is right here. To I, the energy that I feel because of my proximity to greatness is mm-hmm. just like even when I'm home by myself, I'm just like <laughs> I'm just like on fire, yeah, on fire to be working because you know that whoever you collaborate with, the the odds of me getting with anyone around town and it, the project actually, first of all, following following through because mm-hmm. people in Philadelphia are very good at being like let's do a thing and actually doing it. That's one of my favorite things. About my Philadelphia friends. Don't get a date down. Yes. <laughs> yesterday, yeah. I said, I'm good on this day. You said, come over, shorty. Yep. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go it up. Catch up this morning. Excited to see you. See you in, see you in a couple hours. Yes. Right then and there. It's like, when yes. do you want to do it? This is my yes. free time. Here it goes. Let's do it. So that's been, it's just been so, it's been life changing. I mean, I always had a feeling, but I've never lived in like a really big city. Wilmington is pretty small. And it's got its like its little art scene in its pockets, but I think just just based off of the the, the fact that the population in Philadelphia is like bigger than the population of all of Delaware, it kind of go it, you know it goes yeah. without saying. I'm just more likely to run into people that want to do the same thing as me 
and we're kind of coming out of summer and going into your fall season. Yes. So yes. now this is like yeah. I've already I'm already in my reflection mode. You're in your reflection yes. state. What does reflection look like for you in this state? So I'm I'm definitely very excited to do some more like collaborations with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like there it's inevitable that I'm just not going to be gigging as much in the fall and the winter. So that's that's fine. I'm okay with that. But that's like you know four four three four months of like not really doing too much outside. Mm-hmm. So I want to write. Yeah. I, I really really want to get into writing some songs and writing like being even more honest and truthful. I want to get very specific about the things that I'm going through because I feel like some of those songs that are super specific, like I have a lot of like, um, I put Brittany and Trombone on my playlist and I think that like the way she writes and how specific the story she's telling makes, I, I'm like, wow, this is my story. She's like telling things that I haven't even, like, te- you know, like yeah, I haven't yeah. even told people and I want my music to feel like that. So I definitely feel like kind of like coming back into myself writing some songs, sending some stuff back and forth with some friends. Um, I already have, like, some stuff I'm putting out with John Faye soon. I've been working a lot with Sam Noble. Shane Popple just hit me up, so we're going to have some stuff coming out. Like, all the homies, I swear, swear, I'm going to make Katie make a song with me. We have to. The Lunar Year, y'all, it's going to be a collab. It's going to blow your mind. I love mm-hmm. the excitement right now. It's just yeah. like, it's, it's forever excitement. Like we're about to go into cold, winter, dreary, and you're, re- you're doing this time of reflecting yep. and being like, how am I going to make this bright yeah. and sunny for me? I'm going to write on the other side. Super sad songs, probably, but, but the, 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 the fun in it is the creation aspect. Mm-hmm. It's the closest we'll ever be to like becoming a god other than like giving birth to a baby. Oh, yeah. It's like making stuff, you know, it's like reflecting the world back to us. So to be able to do that and to do that with your friends, that's a powerful it's statement sick. right there. Yeah. I might like <laughs> emphasize that. That is a very powerful it's statement, it. though. Yeah. Making babies or making music, you know, you know, making anything creative, right? Yeah. It's like whatever you want to put out into the world, like outside of that is our creation. Yes. That is our legacy. Yes, and it legacy doesn't have to be on this grandioso like platform yeah. it, or scheme. It's just like. What is grand in your world? Yeah, everyone and, and like is you different. said, like when you, when people are like, "Oh yeah, Katie," they're gonna say, you know, they say "Shug," they're gonna think of like, "Oh my God, that song or that this mm-hmm. performance where I really felt like connected." That's what I want them to think about. Yeah. So I'm just honing in on that skill. It's not, and and I always tell people like, "Listen, man, the money gonna come and the money gonna go." That's something I discovered a long time ago. When it comes to music, I have seasons of making a lot. Like summertime, I make mm-hmm. a good amount of money. Mm-hmm. I'm chilling. In the fall and the winter, it slows down for me because I, I make front. most of it from mm-hmm. performance and selling t-shirts. <laughs> and it's a little different, but it's like, you know. No, 100%. So, and it's just a fact of my life. So I have to, you know, so I just come inward. I just like, you know, just move with the universe. I'm like, okay, I have to come back inside. I can't be out at bars spending a bunch of money because I'm not making a bunch of money, but that's okay because I don't need to be out there in the streets like that anyway. I just did that all summer. It's my yeah. time for reflection. Self-reflection is just gifting you at the end of the day it is it makes me better for the next season Mm -hmm. and those around you so this now you're releasing a song is that is that coming with extra stuff as the fall and winter goes on like do you have more i have some more collaborations coming out i definitely feel very inspired by the people around me um to really kind of create i want to create it within the within the 
within what I can do, within my realm of like what I can afford because yep. recording is also very expensive and not everybody has access to it. But I really want to work on being the best that it can be. And I'm not going to be so particular. I'm like, I'm holding on to this music for three or four years, but I'm just not in any hurry to put any any other solo stuff out after this. I'm very excited for this single because I've been playing it. I got some great players on it. It's a bunch of people that like spent all summer with me. Uh, Anthony Gata, Rebel Naughty, and Michael McCartney, my babies. And then my friend that was actually my last show before the pandemic, uh, Gooch, Ryan Gooch Nelson from Gooch in the Motion. He plays slide guitar on it. Oh, and I he makes and mastered it. So it was just fun, a fun project to do with my friends. They, mm-hmm. the, the band knew the song because we've been played it a hundred damn times <laughs> all throughout the summer. So they knew it and they could all record remotely. So we all did it remote and we sent it off and, you know, got it mixed and mastered. And it's a fun something. It's kind of like my, all right, this is my, we're putting this out. And then I'm going in. I'm going back in for the winter to really like kind of figure out what I want to do. And then just more performing. I know my manager is, <laughs> oh, shout out to Lauren Keeney. She's the bomb.com. She already has a lot of like really good connections kind of moving into this next year where people have already kind of like have us top of mind. We have a lot of emails going on right now. Oh, not, not too many, great. not too much stuff I can really, you know, you don't talk about you know, yeah, yeah. certain things. Yeah. But I'm just very excited. I'm just giving my gift, using my gift to bring people together. And it has, the universe is like just giving it back to me. Oh. Because people so keep good. coming and opportunities. Every day I wake up and she's sending me emails like, bitch, do you see this? Do you see this? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, just enough of like, you move here and you're already on XPN and you. Exponential Fest and playing yeah. Exponential Fest in, in a couple weekends. And, and that is with what? Pro- that's with a different project? That's nope, not. Chick Daniels. Oh, really? This freaking ukulele. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. I, that, that is just so amazing to see and watch and like that is the true like you saw something you wanted it you put it in there and then you created the community to support you in that you were like on the radio you were taken over i was like okay okay i I love it saying yes to life just like where it's and i'm telling you like for me it's just the path of least resistance like Mm -hmm. wherever that energy is flowing Mm -hmm. that's the energy to tap into that's the vein that's going to continue feeding you and the, the the thing is, the deal is you have to give it back. You can't mm-hmm. keep it stagnant. So I have to make songs and perform because when the more I make songs and perform and I bring people together, the more people see me, the more they connect with each other, they connect with me, and the opportunities just continue. Yeah. They just continue. That's why I don't be stressed, baby. <laughs> I, love it. I ain't stressed about nothing. The, the sweet what? and cool, the smooth and coolness <laughs> of like, I don't worry about a damn thing. That was meant to be, it was meant to be. If it's supposed to be for you, it's going to happen. So I don't really, I'm just, I'm, I'm just out here just enjoying myself. I wish the Virgo in me could just let that <laughs> part just flow a little bit more. I'm getting there. I definitely yeah. feel like I'm getting there. Yeah. So I just feel like I said, very in. I'm in the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. That's how you know. It's beautiful to watch and hear about, Thank in all you. honesty. Like, because it. it's just like... Me too. The opportunity. I love it. Because you <laughs> see someone else succeed, that gives you... In my mind, it's not, I wish I could succeed in that way. It's, I have the chance for success. Yes, exactly. It, that is exactly. That's why, I'm, that's why I'm always cheering for people. Because mm-hmm. if you can do it, I can do it. That's not to be like, I'm better than... No, 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 no. It's just the possibility. If you can do it, I can you do, do it. it. Yeah. Why can't I do it if you do it? Exactly. So I'm cheering everybody on, and in return, they're cheering me on, and everything is going gravy for everybody. Mm-hmm. And if you're... I'm super excited about it. I'm going to Willie Nelson's Ranch <gasps> in Austin, Texas. I'm going there with the Black Opry. I linked up with this group called the Black Opry Review. Shout out to Holly G, our Lord and Savior. Dad. It's a bunch of black artists who do folk country, Americana, like really cool, like eclectic music. Mm-hmm. We all do like a singer-songwriter thing in the round. And wh- I think what how why it really caught on is because there's a lot of history behind it too. Mm-hmm. Like like we were talking about earlier, black people were the inventors of 
most most music most in America. Things that we, most most, most things, things that everywhere. we enjoy yes, came it, from it, black people, from including black country people. folk and, and a lot of this Americana. Yeah. The banjo was a was a, just a gourd that they put strings on that to mimic an instrument in Africa. Yeah, and when you know when the Harlem Renaissance started happening and the, that migration happened, they left a lot of those instruments because it reminded them of you know poverty mm-hmm. and where they come from. So then you know, but basically, but it was good stuff. So you know, the Appalachian people picked it up, and that's, but it came from black people. Yeah, so. The Black Opry is just showcasing those artists in the light that, you know, that they deserve to be in. That they deserve to be in because as we have already known that colonization and sometimes white spaces are very much erasers. They, will, they won't talk about those things. Mm-hmm. So this, that's been super fun, but that's actually who I'm playing Exponential Fest with. So I'm sitting in the round. It's like me and like four other African Americans and we play our instruments. I think some like Lizzie, Lizzie No has like a harp. She plays a harp sometimes. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Most of them, they play like guitar. They play all these different kind of really cool. When you think of country and Americana, you're like, uh, maybe not so much. But when you hear these stories, these narratives and the way that we play, it's just different because it's us. Yeah. It's us. So, well, and I think so again, coming with. I'm ready now that we're talking about this because there's so much on this playlist. I just am going to go right into, I don't even care about old Katie would have cared about formats and like, we got part two. We got got part two. So one of the things that I've been just listening to your playlist, I wanted you to create your own playlist. Like I used to give themes and ideas so I could assist better with people that I might not know in like creating conversation. It's easier when there's a theme and a direction so then I can connect with the artists and the music that they're putting on. From this, I felt like I just wanted to know what I was missing out on and what is you. You know what I mean? And what that looks like. And so there is, it's so much variation in music Mm -hmm. and I love to see see that so like all albums i'm obsessed with and like songs i listen to too. do you make a lot of playlists i don't i'm a big album listener. you oh, okay yeah i listen i put on albums i feel like to really understand an artist it's like good to hear the whole body of work especially when it comes to album like mm-hmm. i just listened to the megan the new megan the stallion yeah Woo! so good Woo! i have not listened to it yet so i'm excited to that's listen my to that's it my after. new favorite thing to work out to and oh, you know and then good. of course beyonce beyonce's fucking oh. our virgo queen for sure yeah during quarantine I started listening to albums from start to finish because yeah. it is storytelling. Yes, it is. It's. I mean, that's a big thing. We actually, you know, we sit and are like, okay, what is the order of the album? Like, what is the order? That's a big deal for us. Mm-hmm. So, and I know that, but I know that because I'm an artist. I'm know that because I'm a musician. So for me, that's what I tend to like. I yes. Like, like in the album. So mm-hmm. when you were putting this together, was there a specific approach when you were putting this playlist together did you kind of know right off the bat what you wanted to put I knew on some here? stuff yeah because when you t- you were just like some stuff that shaped you and some stuff you're excited about so that's where britney and the best bear that's where they come in that's where katie you know the lunar year that's where they come yeah. in because those songs i'm just like the that best bear album is phenomenal Oh. Phenomenal. It's so good. That song in particular, I, I really, really like 11th grade because their coming out story and like what it feels like to be gay in this super non corny way. It's, and I know that sounds silly, but there have been so many songs I've heard about being gay and there's movies about being gay that are so corny and just, I'm like, this is not really that relatable. But that song is not only catchy and like really cool, but like dead on spot. It really is. Yeah. It really is. So I like literally, 
I put this on one night. As soon as you sent it to me, I put it on when we were making dinner. Best Bear, 11th grade, came yeah. on. Hearing it once, I already knew yeah, the yeah, chorus. Yes. Right? Because it's, and it's just, a great it's chorus. It's a great chorus and it's not corny. It's not right. like the way they have like placed the words mm-hmm. and how it's sung is just, it's catchy. Yep. They were really smart. They made yep. a catchy song that also has meaning and depth to it. Yeah. That song was just brilliant to me. It's, and then I, I had touched on, you know, Brittany, Brittany and Trombaugh song before. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like the way she can put a situation that's so specific into a catchy song just like kills me. And her voice is phenomenal. I've been, I got a chance to perform with her. We performed at the Queen in Wilmington. I remember just being like blown away by her and her band and being like, Oh my God, this is, I want to do this. You put a lot of beautiful songwriters on here. I think, yeah. I think the ultimate theme, if I were to listen, when I listen to this from start to finish, right? It's all, so- it's all storytellers yes. that are avid songwriters, that there's a feeling and that they're really good at what they do. Like bands like Orion Sun and Arlo Parks. I mean, Orion Sun is Philly related, but. They've blown up to a whole nother level yes. of success yes. that is just beautiful to see. Yes. But on this kind of still independent terms, yes. right? Like they're Very still. Much so I feel like they're. I feel like I. I haven't gotten a chance to meet them, but. They seem very much themselves. Mm-hmm. Whenever you see them perform in their music, I'm like, that, that's gotta be them. Yeah, attainable. It's yeah. like their success is attainable because they're authentic. Yeah, exactly. Because Oof, they're coming it. out just as they are, creating what they want to create, mm-hmm. how they want to create. Yes. And that's a big deal for me too, especially if you look at a lot of the photos of me and my previous bands versus like how you see photos of me now. I feel I've never felt so much more myself mm-hmm. as I do in this solo project. Did you feel like you had to fit a lot of like Absolutely. images and Absolutely. And especially with like with, with Hoochie Coochie our, our a big part of our fan base was like very older straight white people. So mm-hmm. I was like, I, I don't feel safe all the time to be my true super gay, authentic little black self. Like, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, okay, let me put on a little shimmy, little lipstick so I can like, you know, make sure I'm doing the mm-hmm. job. And not to say that, and I do appreciate my femininity, but I want to participate in my femininity when it feels good to me, not because I feel like it depend my success depends on it your success and other people's comfortability. Exactly. Like you're not here to make other people comfortable by your appearance. You're here to make people feel comfortable by who you are as a person. Benson and Arlo Parks were big. When I seen them, I was like, that looks like me. Well, the, I was like, they look like me. They're just like, you know, these queer beings, these queer black beings. That's yeah. Them. That are just making beautiful neo soul music Mm -hmm. that is taking songwriting and connecting emotion. Like lightning is just one of those songs. Like I, just chicken skin right off the bat mm-hmm. is talking about admire from outside is Yola. So Woo, that's my baby. I love we Yola. We follow each other on Twitter now. And I like love that. And while they talk to me and I'm just like out of my mind. You're like, me. I won. I yes. won life. <laughs> I won life. Having that powerful of just like, we're not here for a long time. Yeah. But what we're here for. Yep. Make it count. Mm-hmm. What is happy to mm-hmm. you? And sometimes people are too scared to ask that to themselves. And like yeah. that songwriting because that it would be, it would be such a big shift in their in their in their being, mm-hmm. not even just in their life, but in their whole being. Exactly, and mm-hmm. that's not sometimes where the safest space is. And I understand that people are making alternative indie music always, yes, mm-hmm. but to compile and to do it effortlessly is a skill that is. Priceless. Yeah. It's Absolutely. when you have a lot of, it's when you like a lot of things. You mm-hmm. like a lot of influence and you let it influence you. Yeah. And I think artists like Bartiz, like Yola, like myself, mm-hmm. that's really what it comes down. I'm not trying to make any 
specific kind of thing. I I go ahead and like call it Americana or whatever because that's how it's easy to brand it like that. And yeah. It's easy for people to find me. But really, whenever I you hear my music, especially performance, you're going to hear the gospel in my voice. Mm-hmm. You're going to hear the soul. You're going to hear the funk in my playing and the rhythm. You're going to hear the hip hop in my cadence. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm pulling from everything because it's all important and it's all beautiful. Because that's all that makes you, you. Yes, exactly. and that and that is a beautiful thing and that's what i love about yola so much mm-hmm. is that from that plate like she's got like some disco she, in some of her albums and i love it again it's disco. So i love disco there's you think you i love her i love her she's somebody i put her play i put her albums on to i just like let the whole thing rock what? she just i just can't get enough of her voice her songwriting is phenomenal i don't know if she does it by herself or if she's got like a partner she writes music with but she's are you a person who will look up the songwriter? Absolutely. Because yes. I want to work with him. Nothing is beyond my scope. I can I do anything it. I put my mind to. I'm Hell convinced yes. of it. No, that's really, it is. If you have the determination and you want to do it, you have the chance of doing it. A hundred percent. You were talking about that you've worked with Grace Vonderkun. I saw them once at Bourbon and Branch, I think it was. Phenomenal songwriting again. Another person, as soon as like I heard mm-hmm. their music, I wanted, I was like, when I was doing the podcast, mm-hmm. I was like, this is, this is everything. This For is- me, it's the energy that Grace puts into their music that just floors me. Like, whenever I go to a Grace show, I have to like, I have to like remind myself to like chill out because I'll be like rocking so hard, my neck will be hurting the next day. <laughs> but there was just like, a, you know, a, a Wilmington cat. So somebody, mm-hmm. I, when I went up to Wilmington, and I was like, wow, this, there's a scene up here. Grace mm-hmm. was one of the first people I was like, this is different. You know, it was a girl. Yeah. It was a girl making music. And where I come from, girls didn't play guitar. They sat on the side so their bands, because their boy, because, you know, so their boyfriends yeah. could play. So to see her and then, you know, she had dudes behind her and she was like, every time, I'm sorry, but like, Grace is it. In Wilmington for me, Grace is it. I love Anytime it. Anytime she's on a lineup or a bill, no, nobody's better than her. Nobody. No, none of these boys and like, everybody's good. We're all doing our same thing. But nobody is able to capture what Grace is able to capture. So that and song, yes, yes, I'm a big Grace fan. She already, she already knows what time it is. <laughs> you had put four kicks by Kings of Leon. Going back to Kings of Leon being yes. very, I don't think people realize. Like, mm-hmm. if anything, from listening to this podcast, is like go and put on an older album from mm-hmm. Kings of Leon, start yeah. to finish. Yes. And listen to it because just, they're yeah, just like Grace. It's the energy. It's mm-hmm. the energy that they're able to convey. It is this very like restless, young, and I like their story is really cool. They grew up um, very Christian. Their parents were uh, pastors, and they did a lot of like the revivals. Mm-hmm. So they would be the, the the band for the revivals. So that's how they learn how to play music. And, you know, we all know that you've grown up in a church playing music. You're going to be good. Eventually, yeah. you're going to be really good. So, you know, they get a little older. They start feeling themselves. And they start, you know, wanting to make this rock and roll. But it's got this gospel, like, flair. This, like, he screams, you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, I didn't have a clue what Caleb was saying. But I could feel it. So it really, for me, discovering that as a teenager con- made that connection between why, how music can influence and touch something in us. Without us realizing where it came. Because I didn't realize that till later, you know? Mm-hmm. I didn't hear their story till later. But I knew when hearing that music, there was a, a energy and a gumption and something behind it that really connected to my soul. Vibrationally, yes. it hits something it hits that you something. just... Religion telling me that I can't be this or can't do that. I want to make whatever I want and do who I want. 
And that's what those boys were doing. And I didn't realize at the time, but that's what they were you know, giving to me. Mm-hmm. And that four kicks, it's about, you know, getting drunk at a party and fighting them some boys because you're bored. There's nothing else to do. And they could put, I could put their older music on. And I have to say that their new, their new music is like, you know, when you're an artist, you want to just create whatever you want to create. You don't mm-hmm. always want to make what you're making in that moment. Mm-hmm. You want to do, you know, want to do the next thing. So all respect to them. But them first couple albums really had me, they threw me into, what is rock and roll? I love it to this day. Yeah. I, um, low cut Connie talking about that, like rock and roll, yep. but his voice is just mm-hmm. undeniably. I was like, this is either Jimmy Scantron or. <laughs> Who used to play in his band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who yeah. was in his band? Uh huh. Low cut Connie was the, probably the, one of the first big bands at, that Hoochie Coochie opened for. And I didn't know who they were at the time. I was going to say no because we had like a show at like, uh, Oddity Bar in Wilmington at the time. And my panel player was like, hey, I sent this email. You should say yes to this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And mm-hmm. I wasn't, I was just so young in my career. I wasn't quite, I wasn't like into looking people up as like offers. Because I do that now. When yeah. Offer comes in. I'm like, okay, how many, like what, what's going on? Who's this person? But then like getting to meet them and see the performance. I'll never forget. We opened up for them at Art and Guild Hall in Wilmington and they came on stage and they were like doing their thing. And I remember Jimmy, because Jimmy's from Delaware, mm-hmm. grabbed the Delaware flag, and there's confetti coming down. And I'm looking up, and he's standing on his piano, and he's just like waving this Delaware flag, and all the confetti's coming down. And I'm just like crying. Like, <laughs> I remember, but yeah, it was a big moment. It was for a you. big moment yeah. for me because it was like this amazing, powerful music. I remember telling the when we were doing sound check, he's telling the light guy, "Cut the lights on," and that's all you got to do. And he was like, "Do you want any like colors?" And he read it. He's like, "No, no, no." Put the lights on. Mm-hmm. Just leave the lights on. He was like, okay. And I was like, man, I don't know why he wants to just, like, that sounds kind of boring. <laughs> but then from start to finish, it was one of the most encompassing performances I had ever mm-hmm. seen in my life. I was like, every, I felt, everybody felt like we were hanging out with this band. It felt like it could have been a thousand people or like 10 people in that room. And it felt like the energy would have been the same thing. Performers. I got to audition. Yes. A perform- yes. And I got to audition to be a backup singer, which I unfortunately did not get the job, but I did get to go to his house and hang out with him and his at the time fiance, now wife. Um, and they were so cool. And we got to sing some songs and hang out, but really I remember him just being like, even when he like told me, you know, I've, I mean, I've gone with somebody else, but like you're a great kid. Mm-hmm. He was just like, you have a story. And after hanging out with you, like, I'm very excited to see how you develop. I still have his number. He was oh. like, I'm very excited to see how you develop. You have a thing that you're going to do. And it's going to be very important in this world. I'll never forget that. He was, and he, and he was like, you should move to Philadelphia. That's beautiful. <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> but those are the moments yes. to be like, I'm going to accept this. Yeah. I'm going to try to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see what this experience yep. is like. Yep. I'm going to at least throw it. I'm at least see what sticks. See, see what sticks. Yes. And then to so be. So Look at Connie for me is a big, like, that's a very iconic band. So I hope to get a chance to open up. I'm sure at some point it'll, it'll, uh, we'll come back around to it. Oh yeah. There'll be some. Some Philadelphia Music moment. Festival yeah. next year. Yeah, yeah, and they'll be headlining like Johnny Brenda's yeah. and it'll be like, we let's need you. Let's, let's get, get you in there on there. On there. Let's go. Be ready. You mm-hmm. did put first song, Big Bad Wolf, mm-hmm. Hoochie Coochie. Mm-hmm. So was there something special with the Big Bad Wolf? Is yes. there? Yeah. I want to know oh, this. I want to know this, this one's a story ultimately for sure. the story for Big Bad Wolf. Big Bad Wolf, I originally wrote before I even lived in Wilmington. I wrote that song about addressing fear so the big bad wolf is fear that's Mm -hmm. what that character represents in this song and once again even before i really did stepping into my own stepping Mm -hmm. into my power and being like i'm not gonna be afraid i'm gonna do it so i wrote that song about conquering my fear moving out of my small town so Mm -hmm. i recorded it 
When I had finally moved to Wilmington, I recorded it at Minor Street Studios with Brian McTeer. And if you're a musician in the area, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's why that record sounds so good. <laughs> and I remember he hit us up. He was like, hey, I heard you guys. I think he might have even seen us at the Low Cut Connie show. That's what I actually think. I think that's the full circle moment right there. Oh, I love that. And he was like, I, you know, I'm a professor at Drexel. And, I, you know, I'd love to record you guys for my Weather Vane program that I do, mm-hmm. which is like producers come in. He teaches them how to produce and they do a song. So... He was like, you know, pick with your band which song you want to do. And that, and we had pre- performing that song. And it was all, everybody loved it. Every time we would do it. It's a would great crazy. song. It's catchy as fuck. I'm glad you like it. It's catchy. Killing it like it he's is. doing it, baby. So I was like, okay, that sounds cool. We get a free recording. That's great. He said, you guys can use it. You do whatever you want. It, we, we allow our people, you know, to mm-hmm. remix it, to work with the stems. So we had gone up. It was such a professional studio. It was the first time I feel like, uh, it was the first time Hoochie Coochie had ever been in a studio of that caliber. There was okay. just all this equipment for us to use and to really hone in on our sound. I looked the studio up before we had gotten there and I was like, oh my God, Waxahachie had been there. Uh, what's my, what, what are my buddies, my buddies? Oh my God, they're such a good band. I can't think of it. I'm drawing a blank on it, but they had oh, been there too. And I didn't even know them at the time, but I was like, oh, well, there's some really cool bands. Um, American Trappist. American Trappist had uh, recorded in there before. Oh, right on. And so there were just, I was like, wow, this is like big time. So we got in there. We're doing the song. I'm so excited. I'm so proud. And I remember after we cut the record, you know, and I'm excited to hear back. Brian's talking to us. He's just like, you guys are really good. Like, you guys have something different. Nobody sounds like you right now. You should move to Philadelphia. (laughs) I love that everyone just tells you that you need to move to Philadelphia. He was like, you're going to come up here, you know, and it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with being in Delaware, but Mm -hmm. the proximity to, you know, people being in this town and you, you can break out of here. You know, yeah. you can be an artist in Philadelphia. The whole neo-soul movement in, oh, in like the 2000s. I mean, like, oh my God. Everything, Jill mean, Scott is from here. I know. Jill Scott. I mean, it just on the, the nationwide commercial. Yeah. Like, so he was like, you know, you move up here, you work at a coffee It's funny because actually I work at a coffee shop. Now I'm thinking about it. You work at a coffee shop. You start to talk to people. You come to shows. You kind of, you immerse yourself in the scene and it'll happen for you. And I remember going home and talking to the band. I'm like, oh, maybe, I don't know. And I remember being like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I don't know if y'all come with me or not, but I'm going to move up to Philadelphia one day. Yeah. So that's, this song is just, once again, another full circle moment for me. So, And it's just a great song. It I is. love it. I'm it's killing a, it. It's a great song. I, as soon as I did that. <laughs> you're like, I did that. That is my work, and I love it. I have a lot of songs where I'm like, I wish I could go back and re-record this. Nope. We did it. We hit it. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. And I love, I mean... Just in general, everyone full circle has been telling you to move to Philadelphia. Yeah, and so right. now you're yeah. here. And- Being myself. Like, I'm not even extending myself in a way that is unnatural to myself mm. or doesn't resonate with me. And everyone that I've worked with has done the same thing. We're just using what, what works best for us to help each other elevate. That's the thing. You know? Yeah, That's it. it is. It's how do we elevate each other so we all win. Yes. Because we all deserve abundance yes and we can all have it yeah we can all have it that's the thing that's the if you're trying to have all this power you're keeping this energy all to yourself you're not releasing it back into the world so you're not even giving it a chance to multiply and come back to you i saw the lunar lunar year was playing pharmacy and it was one of those shows that i wanted to go to Mm -hmm. and their new sound is just yes it's like this kind of like like lo-fi but buzz there's like and rock and roll and they're using great players too and they just, have amazing people on, the, on on all of the records i was talking to them the other day i was like are you gonna release anything else like what else, what are you doing Doug? like i'm i'm dying over here and they're just once again just very good at their craft yeah they're so good at their craft and they also taught me something about 
I'm like, okay, I am dying to hear this album. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it when it comes out. I'm not going to just stream it. I'm going to find a way to buy I don't know if they're doing vinyl cassettes because I'm such a fan. But they've been performing it for like the last two years, oh, two, three years, yeah. and without putting it out and just building a fan base. And I'm like, maybe maybe that's the way to go because if I could get 10 people that feel like how I feel about it, yeah. like, I would really be able to do it, you know? And that's, were there any songs that you wanted to add to the playlist but just didn't make the cut like were there oh my god yeah i have such an like an expansive everything influences me oh, everything influences me so i mean like i could have put some james brown on there jim croce who i didn't even know was a philadelphia like a south philly boy who's a phenomenal songwriter i could have threw him on there um i do got big thief on there you do have big, big thief. thief is my jam because they really opened my eyes to like create whatever you want to make like their last album, and I can't. I'm horrible at saying the name. It's like Big Dragon on a Mountain. Something I don't know. Yes. That album is like freaking like 20 songs that they pick from like 60, and they're every song is so different and so good. I loved it. every song is out of this world. There's like banjo on some of the songs. Other songs are like done on like in a super lo-fi way, and every song is so good. I'm crazy about this band. We have a single coming out on September 9th. Yes. Be cool, baby. Be cool. I love the artwork, uh, the artwork for it's it. It's Arisa. I'm my roommate. Oh, hell love yeah. Scorpio. Shout out. Our love Scorpios. We do. It's, it's we a love Scorpios. Virgos love Scorpios. <laughs> I love my Scorpio. I love the Scorpios Yay! around me. <laughs> yeah. um, especially when they're like the elevated Scorpios. Yes. The ones that are here for elevated, mm-hmm. high, like the best self, the because highest we get, self. Because the emotions. We get the emotions because the emotions mm-hmm. are everything. They're like, they're the triggers. They're the, we figure out, that's how we have, know how to navigate yep so when we figure out how to control them then we we got it you do you really do so be cool is coming out on september 9th and then the following saturday exponential music festival and then you said you're going to i'm going to austin texas i'm going to willie nelson's ranch luck ranch uh with the black opera review i'm very excited about that that's going to be on november 2nd i'll be back at arden guild hall opening up for chris pierce on the 5th uh, and then I guess I can talk about it. I'm playing Kung Fu Necktie on November 16th, which is my birthday. Oh, yes. shit. I woke up to that email. Oh, so. that's awesome. So yeah. this is like right off the bat. November yes. 16th. November who are you 16th. Playing with? Ooh, I, I have to, I oh. have to send the invite. Oh, okay. I know who I oh, want. Okay. I know who I want. Oh, you know who I want. I've been talking about him this whole time. So, uh, oh, that's amazing. Yes. Oh, yes. so you get so. to have a birthday show. Oh, yeah. I do it every year for my birthday. Oh, I even had yes. a dream last night about my birthday before I woke up to the email about we got the we got the date, we got the venue, um, that my birthday was really good. And it was like a bunch of people there and there was like fireworks. It was like my auntie that I just met on my dad's side and like friends that like I would actually love to make amends with were there. And it was a really good night. And then I woke up and then I had this email. So I think the I think it's going to be a good show. Ooh. Put it on your calendar, guys. November 16th. Kung Fu Necktie. Kung Fu Necktie. Oh, I'm excited. I'd oh. love for you to come. Oh, I, you know what? <laughs> I love, bring me Scorpio. I, bring my Scorpio. <laughs> we'll come. You know what? The actual show that felt really good, we saw Laura Jean Grace at Kung Fu Necktie. Out of yeah. all the shows last year that we went to go see, yeah. Laura Jean Grace at Kung Fu Necktie was the most comfortable because mm. we just sat at the bar and we got yeah. to see her play. Yeah. And then we were like, okay, now we're done. And yeah. now we're leaving. <laughs> Out into the world we go. Mm-hmm. But I definitely, I'm excited because we get to... Mm. See new music. Yeah. 
And there's so and much feel to- it because there is something different about watching it be performed in real time. There's mm-hmm. nothing as tangible as those artists creating that thing in that moment for you. Well, so happy to witness yeah. the joy and sparking the joy for me. Thank you so much. My pleasure. I'm just here to mirror back the energy that you give to me. Now we get to be neighbors. And, and neighbors. Like, no, we didn't even know. We didn't even know we, we, were, didn't na- know we neighbors. were neighbors. Now we get to be neighbors and go <laughs> on walks and get coffee and matcha together. Oh, yeah. I just met her dog. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to give her a kiss and tell her that I'm going to see her soon. Yeah. She's going to be sad. I came in the house and she acted like she knew me and she was like upset that I hadn't been back in so long. Oh, 100%. She's like, you need to rub my belly now. She was like, where you been, girl? I was like, oh my God. I was like trying to remember. I was like, have you met? She's like, you need to love me right now. Super oh, sweet. Thank you so much. Thank you.